This past Monday evening, WVIA-TV's Keystone Edition Health presented a program that was titled The Smallest Victims, Child Abuse and Trafficking with host Tanya Verkaitis. Producer Sarah Sinto of the WVIA News Department prepared a short segment for that program on the role of the arts in the recovery of those who experience trauma from such abuse. And today on Art Scene, we present Sarah Sinto's full interview. For Sarah Isaac Samuel, art has become a way to process and heal from trauma. Through writing and painting, she has worked through the abuse she experienced as a young child and has helped others do the same. She is the author of A Journey Back to Restoration, a story of healing and forgiveness, a story of blessings, peace and joy, and runs Twig's Restoration Ministry, where people who have experienced trauma learn how to use art to heal. Twig's is a transformational art is what I call it, and it's for people who have experienced trauma, abuse, domestic violence, sex trafficking, where we use art as a tool to help people through the healing process of what they've experienced. So Twigs came about from my own personal uh, story, and uh, I grew up having this connection with art that wasn't necessarily a healthy connection, but I knew that I still liked art. and. Uh, it was more of a trauma bond thing because what I found out somewhere in my teenage years was that my dad, when he was in prison, I had found a picture that he drew while he was there and it just kind of triggered something in my mind that I wanted to be someone like him and yet deep down in my heart I didn't want to be like him so it was really kind of an unbalanced scenario going on in my mind. But um, I thought that if I created artwork like he did, then we might have a better relationship. And so originally it was an unhealthy connection to it. But as I got older, um, I had taken a trip to Greece and it was the first time that I had actually been able to share my personal life story. So those doors had gone open. And part of that trip to Greece was I had crocheted a blanket. And again, part of my story is that my stepmother was my trafficker and she had taught me how to crochet. And so I didn't want to do anything that she had taught me how to do. But my friend bought me this whole bag of yarn and then when she dropped it off, there was this little tiny uh, strip of, of yarn that somebody had started to make a, a afghan but never finished. So I just kind of prayed about it and I said, okay, if I can figure out how to create this blanket, then I will do it. But in the process of that, I just prayed over every stitch that I created and doing that brought me to a healing place with my stepmother, who again was my trafficker. And so one thing led to another after coming back from Greece, and then I uh, got involved with my own business, which was creating wedding invitations, uh, signs for outdoors, like different businesses, and um, you know postcards and whatever. And and it just kind of developed. And so there was always the art theme going on there. And then I started, I, I started building furniture for churches. And um, then from there, I went to, was relocated and started actually doing artwork again for myself. And through that became this whole ministry where, you know, art has always been part of who I am for my healing process. And so I wanted to be able to share that with other people. And so our main focus is on individuals who've been experienced trauma, 
related to abuse or domestic violence or sex trafficking, you know, and there are people who are involved who have experienced trauma from, you know, death or other situations, but those are our main uh, topics that we focus on. And uh, so now we invite people in and we do art with them. It's not your typical art therapy in the sense that, you know, everybody's kind of creating the same thing, but what it is is I give them the tools, the different like acrylic paints, the watercolor paints, colored pencils, you know, sketching pencils, all the tools that they need. And then um, I teach them how to use them. And then they have those tools at home with them because we give them to them to take home. And then they have the tools at home with them to be able to use whenever they need them outside of our classes. So some of the artwork um, that we've actually done, we work with acrylics, um, we've worked with watercolors, we've worked with charcoal, we worked with pencils, and we use those tools. I teach them how to use them and create art in a manner that is pleasing to each individual on their own space. Like, it's not one of those wine and, and art, like nobody's creating the same thing. It's all personalized, but using, learning how to use the tools to create something beautiful. How has art and writing your book um, helped you to heal? And can you elaborate a little bit about the experiences that you were healing from? Right. So a lot of the experiences that I was healing from um, was from the beginning of my life. I started out in a, in a very abusive home. Um, in my book, I talk about all of the different situations that I've experienced. Well, not all of them, but several of the different experiences. And, you know, I tell people the highlights are, are I grew up in an abusive home. I was in foster care. I was uh, sexually abused and, and I survived trafficking. Um, through all of that though, I highlight some of the, the situations in the book um, that just came to mind as I was writing. And as I was writing it, I just kind of worked through each individual situation. So it actually took me seven years to write the entire book because I don't think that I could have dealt with everything all at one time. It was just overwhelming. But being able to focus on one thing, you know, and then the next thing and take a break and then the next thing and then take a break, you know, and just be able to process that, I think that's a healthy scenario. And using art at the same time, it, I call it transformational art because it helps transform our minds or, you know, from the bad stuff onto something good, and we're creating something beautiful, even though some people think that they can't do art, they're kind of amazed when, you know, they have this great creation afterwards. And so, yeah, it helps us refocus our mind on, on from the bad to the good. Now, when you were writing your book and processing everything through writing, what were some of the things that happened that made you sit back and realize this wasn't just abuse, this was also trafficking? So I actually met a friend um, while I was at a camp. It was a special needs camp for my son. And um, I met a woman there who was talking to me and you know we were sharing our stories and stuff. And she said to me, you were trafficked. And I told her, no, I wasn't. I don't know what that is, and, you know. And so she explained it to me. And so then I had to take a step back and start processing. and. That was an interesting process because I didn't want to admit that that was actually what was happening. But in reality, when your stepmother is setting up, you know, sessions for you to go to a bus driver's home and like, 
that's what trafficking is. You know, when people are, you know, telling you, well, I'm going to give you this, you know, if you do this, or, that's part of trafficking. And so that was the whole scenario. And she was collecting the payments or the benefits when I was the one being abused. And you said you were able to come to a place of some healing mm -hmm. with regard to your stepmother. What was that like? How did that resolve or feel once you got there? So what happened was during the writing process, um, my stepmother actually died. And I didn't know how to process it. And so it took me a long time to come to the conclusion that it was okay not to feel sadness. It was okay not to feel elated. It was okay to not be angry because in all actuality, I had no emotions towards her. I had no ill will, but I didn't have to have those typical grief moments, you know, where you, when somebody close to you dies, it was just over. And I knew it was, it was almost like a sense of relief she could no longer harm anybody else. Because that was my fear, even after we left, like my sisters and I were removed from the home, that was my fear that she was continuing to do it to other people. And I didn't have any control to stop her from doing that. And that's something that I lived with for a very long time because I didn't want her to continue doing that. Um, so when I found out that she had passed away, it was a sense of relief. It's a really complicated emotion to have. It was. It was really. It took me two years to work through that, and um, and I'm I'm okay with it now. You know. In your you know day to day work, you're working with people. You you foster all these children who so many of them have come from similar situations. You work with people who are also processing trauma. What do you talk about as far as how people can see the signs and? help someone who might be in a situation like yours? Yeah, so the signs of trauma are really intricate because everybody deals with trauma differently. You know, they, they talk about the fight or flight, and um, that is so true. Some people just shut down and withdraw. Other people become obnoxious and annoying, um, and other people deal with it in different ways, you know. so. So take, for instance, today, I had a conversation with a woman, and as we were talking, I saw her shutting down. So it's a being aware of who you're actually talking to and what you're talking about. You know, there's this place where you have to just recognize who you're dealing with and build those relationships enough. I think that that really is it, like building those relationships enough to know the individual and how they react to a certain situation because their reactions really what you have to focus on. And then if somebody's dealing with that trauma, then you have more of a in, intimate personal conversation about it and just help them work through it. You know, whether I've sat on a porch step, just having a personal conversation, allowing them to cry on your shoulder, doing nothing else but sitting there and allowing them to cry is okay. It's okay. You know, people talk about ending their lives when they're in, in a traumatic situation. And so you have to know whether it's, a place where you have to get more help because you can't handle what they're talking about or whether it's not something they're really going to do but something that they just wish it was over because they want to get through the process and you know that's not always necessarily a place where they need those extra helps they just need support and, and when I say extra help I, like, they don't need to be hospitalized or whatever but so it's really about 
understanding and knowing on an intimate level having that relationship with people. Is Twigs, you know, the existence of something like Twigs, is this something that you wish you had? I would have loved to have something like this. Yeah, when I was growing up, they sent me to a whole bunch of different therapists, um, and not one of them, I can't say that one of them helped me, because they weren't asking questions. They, they were asking me to talk about what was happening in the present moment, when the present moment wasn't traumatic. And so, yeah, so it was really hard. Um, so if something like this was available, I think the personal aspect of it, the intimate relationship, you know, being able to actually talk and knowing that there are other people there who have experienced similar situations. It might not be the same, but because everybody's story is the same or different, but has uh, the same undertone, so to speak. And so it's a more of a comforting, welcoming atmosphere. Now, if someone sees this and they think that they could benefit from some of the services that you offer, how uh, would they find find out about that? Okay, so basically they can either go on Facebook, um, which I have a Facebook page, it's just Twigs with a space and an RM. They can message me through there or they can email me at twigs.rm at gmail.com. Those are the two best ways to get to me. And then we can have a conversation and we can see where they're at and go from there. I don't want to bog people down with formalities, you know, but um, it's about building relationships. And so that's what I want to do with people and have conversations and speak to them. And, you know, then I can call them and, and hear their voice and hear, you know, what they're going through. So, yeah, it's about just sharing our stories. When people are actually doing the art, um, what happens is their mind is able to focus on something other than the problem that is at hand. And so when they can refocus their mind, it helps in that healing process because they are realizing that they're able to create something beautiful and something you know where they might not have been told that they could do anything. They're seeing it firsthand that they can do something. Now, and you also mentioned that you have an exhibit coming up. We do. Yes, that's exciting news. We do have an exhibit coming up with Penn State Wilkes-Barre Campus and um, working with Jonathan, and he is going to do the exhibit from April 1st to May 6th, where some of the ladies' artwork that has been participating is going to be on an exhibit for the month, and they're excited to see their artwork shared and um, just to see the awareness being brought forward of people who are in need and can enjoy the art. These are people who are participating in your tweaks? Yes. 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 Yeah, so we have, well, they're all younger than me. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but yeah, so we have different ages. Um, we are hoping to start one for teenagers, but that takes a little more, you know, working the d details out. I have to have volunteers that are, have clearances and stuff. But uh, right now we do have a couple different options for women to participate. And then, you know, I, like I said, I teach them the different techniques and they can take the artwork home and do it at home. You can find Twigs on Facebook by searching for Twigs RM or reach out over email at twigs.rm at gmail.com. For Art Scene, I'm Sarah Sinto, WVIA News. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah Sinto is producer of Keystone Edition Health, which is hosted by Tanya Verkaitis. And this past Monday evening, January 30th, Keystone Edition Health presented a program titled The Smallest Victims, Child Abuse and Trafficking. And the interview that we heard today was reduced for a small package 
on that program and the panel discussed it and many other topics about abuse of this nature. And if you'd like to watch the whole television show, you can see it online at wvia.org. It's Keystone Edition Health from Monday, January 30th. The program titled The Smallest Victims, Child Abuse and Trafficking with host Tanya Burkaitis and her guests and producer Sarah Sinto. WVIA.org. <laughs>